This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property, and you are in for a special treat uh, this week. Um, so the, the treat of the week is Mr. Aaron Knightley. So over to you, Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, and why on earth you're here with us today. Yeah, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me on, guys. Uh, pleasure to be here and, uh, you know, and have a chat with you guys and get into different topics. So thanks for that. Um, so I won't bore you, but we'll give you the, the sort of typical... Oh, don't bore us. We want it all. Give it, give it. <laughs> uh, so very, very, nor- very normal background, working background. Um, again, sort of went from multiple jobs, really, of an early age. Didn't, didn't go to college, didn't uh, go to university, didn't do any, anything like that. Um, education has never really been... Um, something that's ever interested me uh, is what it is. So went through several different jobs, but mainly sort of ended up really getting into project management through logistics and um, more the industrial side of thing and actual movement of steel construction, so forth, so forth, uh, which uh, kind of exposed me to, I suppose, some big constructions and how things work, but more the inner workings before anything actually hit the ground, more the logistics of, of actually project managing on how things might meet in one place. Um, so from there, really, that that was very much my avenue. Uh, met with an old bit business partner. The business partner was in property and always has been. So, of course, conversation would always be about property and it wasn't something really that was at the forefront of my mind. Therefore, it soon very became something that was of interest, especially to learn all the different avenues. And, you know, you know it yourselves and everyone else knew coming through or anything like that. You see all these different avenues and, and then your mind gets blown because you think, well, where do I even start? So I did the whole typical, you know, it seems to be a million and one avenues, but where do I focus? So very much the avenue went property. You know, I applied to myself to all, did all the typical events, went to all the all the seminars. You know, you, you've done it all before. I did everything, you know, <laughs> um, really apply yourself. But really what comes from that is education. So, you know, it might not be right for what you want, but you're going to get education out of it, which I did. Um, I was then given an opportunity to be involved in a project where I didn't have to actually physically... Uh, know about the construction side but it was more to do with and it was timing it was luck and it was a little bit of randomness to being asked to be brought on with the raising of the finance but I didn't know at the time that it would have been through a private bank and basically working through this private bank exposed me to um, numbers no matter how big the numbers are they just sort of seem to be numbers and then I was a little bit blown away originally by thinking we're talking about sort of low millions here but they're talking about it like it's you know like a pack of Harry bow and I couldn't quite get it so that really sparks an interest in me and the thing is I've never been academic and I've never liked numbers and my maths is one of my worst subjects but give me a calculator and a pen and paper and you know do the whole return on investment and start yeah you, know, you and me like both that, mate really. totally get it yeah totally. yeah um it was a real interest so although i thought i originally wanted to go into property development and we did do some refurbs i've been involved in hmo projects uh, i've been involved in assisted sales i have flitted and fluttered all between these and i've even done my own little ventures on the side um but it always came back to I was really interested in the raising and gathering of finance um, and private. You know, I, I always like to emphasize private, you know, not a bridge or anything like that or borrowing from mum and dad um, or the family or whoever you have to borrow from on first ask. 
actually going out and finding and meeting these people. So, you know, let's jump a few years. And really, I just stayed on that path. Education has been massive to me. You know, if any of you have looked over my, my uh, profile, you know that I always bang on about education and self-education. And there we are. And that was the journey, really. And then I just went on this sort of mission from working with clients at the time where they needed investment, where basically that became my thing was to go out, connect, meet with new relationships, uh, new investors, which not only worked for my pool, if I ever need anything, but also then can satisfy the needs of now the clients that I work for full time. And that's family offices and off they're exclusive. You wouldn't find them on the internet. Well, you would, but you wouldn't know where to uh, certain clients who don't expose their products is who I will work with. So it's a bit confusing, but <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. Wow. Okay. So that does that summarizes it. And um, when it comes to raising of finance, um, do you have a? Oh my God, I'm going to go straight to educational. Yeah, we talk about this. Do you have a top tip for the raising of finance, which is non-educational, non-informative? <laughs> um, Hopefully irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> so it's a really good question isn't it because is there an answer to that well I just think it comes down to it was me applying myself I'm very disciplined anyway even with my fitness my health that 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 plays very well when you tie into business as you probably know you know if you eat clean you eat healthy you, you know you wake up you drink a lot of water you feel good therefore you work well in your business or whatever you do so I just think mixing that in with always always been an early bird late night and then my t I really learned very quickly. I don't know about you guys. I learned very quickly. And I think this, is, this was the game changer because I had to admit to myself that I weren't doing the right things in the beginning was I was going to brec uh, business breakfast, standard, really basic, and going to the typical property meetings. There's no one there who can elevate you if you are wanting some big numbers or you're wanting to do something other, you know, my saying is always, if you want big numbers and you want to go to the next level, London's where you need to be. I believe that not everyone else does. That's what I believe because it's worked for me. Every time I've gone into London and I've gone to invite only um, events, honestly, when you stand in this room, it makes you feel small, not in a bad way, but it makes you feel small because these guys are living in Kensington, Chelsea, near St. James's street, all these big places. Um, and they have got a lot of money so that's when i really realized going from your local say you know brighton pin to go in um and we go to the top of um god blimey you know we'll go somewhere central mayfair or you know bartley square house and uh, you know and you have a meeting in one of these private rooms that they've rented out it's just the caliber difference and that's when i was like you know i've really got to start applying my time so if i now go to london i put it in my book but I compound my time. So, you know, someone might go to London and they go, right, I'm going to go to London today. I'm going to smash it. But then you organize one meeting and that one meeting is just the Black Friars pin. Well, why, you know, to me, why are you going there? You know, you need to be starting at first meeting at eight, meeting someone new. Then you need to be going to a business type event. Then you need to be going to an art exhibition. Then you need to be going to, you know, so I'd, I would just rack up my whole day knowing that if I came away from London and I didn't get anything, I could really compounded my whole day. So I would say commitment, discipline and value of time is, is when I realized that I've got to sort of mix all of that in one, if you see what I mean. So it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. Mm, it's really interesting as well, because presumably by, by applying that approach as well, like you're in the main, a lot of your investors aren't property people. So are you having to kind of 
give a lot of the context of what you do and how that can work in their favor because it is completely different when you go to a property network you're in the main although you're at different stages you're speaking the same language so like how how does it you work know, when you're dealing with well, externals well it's really interesting because this is what i mean we i almost feel like with society with a lot of things you're funneled into one vision so if you think oh you're property and you want you know you want to grow your whatever it is you want money for to help you along your way but let's just we're on the topic of property you think well i need to go to property events you know i'm not going to uh, uh, reveal too much but no i know obviously you've you've, you've read through it but yeah. you know let's just touch on a point have you ever thought about going to um a jewelry uh, auction or an art ex an art exhibition you know and if if the minimum painting is twenty thousand pounds well the likelihood is someone very rich is looking at that painting all you've got to do is get clued up and I mentioned it in a in a podcast we did recently, but um, and it's very true. And I only learned this, you know, a few years back. But obviously, rich dad, poor dad, where he said, you know, Robert said to rich dad, you know, I want to invest in what you guys are investing in. And then he turned around to Robert and said, no, only the rich can invest in what we're investing. It's totally true because there's even things that I haven't been exposed to that my family offices haven't ever told me about, and they probably will never tell me about because if it starts getting oversaturated and you start getting retail investors getting a sniff of what people could earn. Then it becomes, then you, then you start bringing in the FCA. Then, then there's this whole kind of, you get this exposure, which they don't want. So it is very true. Um, but one thing that's really interesting is that, you know, we'll, there'll be a venue in Fortnum Mason. I don't know if you've ever been to Fortnum Mason um, in central London, just, you know, just out, obviously along the outskirts of Mayfair, is that uh, it was on, on the fourth floor is where we'll normally meet, is there's a complete huge VIP room where some of the meetings that I go to are held. And, you know, you turn up and you greet you with red wine and, you know, they've got all the canapes going around and it's, you know, it's, it costs thousands just to host it, but it's all invite only. None of them are all in property. They've either got a tech business, they've either, but they finish on property. So they, they, they use the money for their business, but when they make these big chunks, all they, they just use the property as a bank. So if they have someone who's got I tell you this now, honestly, because I've, I deal with so many of them. If you've got enthusiasm, a little bit of naivety, but on the right side of naivety, you've got no chip on your shoulder. You're willing to work night and day. You're likable, and you, you know they, they can just see that willing and almost see a little bit themselves in you. I can tell you now, hand over fist, they'll give you their money away, especially yeah, no. some really rich guys. Honestly, I, I learned very quickly that some of some of the really rich guys um, is peanuts to them and they talk about money like it's nothing. And it's very mm. weird to hear because to me, you money's really hard earned. Um, but I think when they get to a certain level that, that they do have play money uh, and that's that they can risk to lose it. It's, it's strange, but it's true. Mm. Yeah. Those, I guess those that type of people, they've got a completely different mindset when it comes to money, then the people that will be going to the pin networking events and the smaller setups, basically. So it's yeah. surrounding yourself with people that have a diff completely different outlook to it than what we're technically used to on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and do you know, I think the, a big wake-up call, although this particular deal didn't go ahead, it was my wake-up call where um, I had to raise... I was part, no, I didn't, I didn't have to solely uh, raise it, but I was a part of about 6.1 million raise, but again, on the junior side of it. So it had to be more the flexible play money. And it didn't, we, we went to this big board meeting in Mayfair and blah, 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 and it went very well and, it, and, and the experience was great, but we didn't, we didn't successfully do it. Um, 
but what was the wake up call was when you're when you're actually raising this money is that it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to raise when looking in the right places now that's obviously in the book was where mm-hmm. i sat back and i was thinking to myself i can't be going to these property meetings because everyone who's going to these property meetings have still got they've still got their own deals they've still got their own babies and they still they're looking for their investors so everyone's kind of going there for the same reason they're not actually coming away with anything so when you when you actually think to yourself okay who is it that i need to be approaching and then you say to yourself right well i need someone very wealthy um you need to you need to separate you need to learn to separate yourself from a retail investor who cause you big issues if it goes wrong and then you need to look for the high net worths and sophisticated investors and that's when i just sat back and i was like look i'm spending a lot of time in london not every day is successful um what do i need to be doing and that's when i just went spending a lot of time thinking there has to be something uh, there has to be a bigger picture here where i can find these people mm-hmm. and i was lucky because um it's a bit of a story that i've told a few times now but i never pick up to unknown numbers or I don't pick up to London numbers that just aren't saved on my phone and I dropped my son off this one day at school and I was with my wife and we were heading to the cafe and this number rang me and I kid you not I let this I let this number ring like six seven times and then just before I was I was going to let it go out I did I picked up and it picked up on the car the car phone and it was really strange because the the phone rang and it said hi is this Aaron Knightley I said yeah it is um I said who's speaking and he said well I'm such and such I'm a principal of a family office in London do, you know do you, do you know are you aware of what a family office is and I said yeah I know what yeah you know I know what a family office is and he said well, we've been watching you for a while we've seen obviously some of those projects that you've done in and you, you help manage and we saw this HMO that you recently done and that you were looking for finance um in, a, in, a, in Little Hampton, there was a little one bed we wanted to turn into a two bed, so forth. And he said, would you be interested next time I see that you come up, would you be interested in having a meeting? But I was still, I didn't really take it, I, I didn't, it wasn't I didn't take it seriously, but I, you know, it's just a phone call. It's mm. like a cold call. You, anyone calls you with a cold call, you're a little bit like, mm, you know, Who are you? I could have yeah. rung him up saying that. So anyway, I said, look, uh, send me over your email, I'll send you my email. Anyway, the signature, the address and everything like that and then their website and i tell you now they have got a website but you would never find it and this is the real funny thing and that's why i explained the book there niall is mm-hmm. there's more to google than page one <laughs> <laughs> and there really is yeah. and when Who you knew? start looking past <laughs> yeah there's more than one page right so when you start looking past one two three and then ah, oh, okay we get on to four and five there are companies out there and there are companies that don't want to be found or don't spend a lot of money on marketing but there are family offices and there are investment funds that sit at page four five and six and that's where you'd find these guys and um yeah they're doing a lot they're, you know they're lending out a lot of private money they made all their money in the stock market they sold a tech company for 40 million and lo and behold i met and they were real people and they have real whites in their eyes and and then you know i approached them with that whole enthusiasm look i don't really i don't think i have the right deal for you because they like to lend a minimum amount of money mm and lo and behold i spent a bit of time with them i stay in contact we send you know i'll send a birthday card i stay very close to the principal he came down to brighton several times they've actually bought quite a lot in brighton believe it or not and what was the wake-up call is when you go to property events i think your mind can sometimes be kept quite small where you know you hear about sourcing everyone talks about you know we're going to be sourcing we're going to be doing this we're going to be doing that and and it's all kind of fairly small and mm. let's just talk about sourcing for a sec Whereas when you meet the right people, so for example, a retail investor, you, me, or anyone, yeah, let's just say, I say to Niall, Matt, you say to Joe, 
we're all going to find each other one property and we'll pay each other a sources fee. Yeah. We're individuals and retail investors. Um, okay, great. We're all going to make a fee. It's going to be a small fee, but why, why are we doing it with individuals? And this is one I questioned myself when I realized the money that people can play with is that a family office will want you to go and find a freehold. You know, I could charge you Joe 2% for the, for the property that I find. Well, why don't you mm. go and find a freehold that's 5 million mm. for a family office who want yeah. a freehold because it's peanuts. Yeah. 5 million to a family office is really small money, mm. but you can still charge you 2%. So mm. that's when I was like, oh, you know, I need to, I can't be spending, I can't be spending time at small events. I need to be, I now need to find all these rich people. That's what they are. So instead of thinking 2,000 pounds, you're thinking 200,000 pounds. You're thinking much bigger picture. Like, yeah, yeah it, it, and it's exactly that. And, and you only realise that when you actually start seeing that, that when they talk about numbers, like when I, you know, when I went to this uh, particular event in Piccadilly, it was held at the Hippodrome in the VIP room. Oh, yeah. Um, and first time I ever went in there and it was all very formal. And again, you get the whole canapes, you get treated like absolute royalty. And it, don't you do, you feel, like, you feel very out of place. And I started taking photos because it was the first time I went in there and I had a security guard come up to me and he was like, oh my God, no photos. You absolute yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this is the thing. You don't know the setup for first events, you know, but obviously we're all trying to document our journey. And the funny thing is this security guard came up to me and he was like, no, 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 you can't be taking um, any photos in here. So I was like, okay, well, I've already got a few. So <laughs> um, and yeah, but, you know again the conversations that were being held in there i don't need to know everything i just be i just need to be educated enough and educate myself enough so i can flow with conversation do you see what i mean i don't mm -hmm. need to be matching their caliber i just need to be matching their conversation and if mm -hmm. you can match their conversation then you can let your likability effects take over and then they can get to know you and as long as you can relate and also you know being down to earth or being humble really plays in their favor and almost not not rubbing their ego but if you're if you if you have this kind of image that you you're not looking up to them, but you are very interested in what they do, successful people and especially wealthy, but they like to talk about what they do a lot. Mm. So then they ramble on mm. and then you let them ramble on and, and you let them talk and then you ask questions and, and at the right time, when you know the gut feeling is that's when you throw out these little signs that you might have, might have an agenda or you might have an interest in something. And then at the end of it, always come away with the email and the phone number. Mm. And one, you know, one thing that I always learned, actually, and this was a comment who told me, but it's a great tip and I've always applied it now in any of my business cards and leaflets. Never have, never have your face and never have a website or your social media. Purely have your phone number. Mm. Because if someone takes your business card and you've got all your details on it, they will look at all your details, your website and your social media before they ever call you. Whereas if you just have your phone number, they will call you. They have no mm. option to call you. Mm. That's one thing that I learned. And um, yeah, I just realized that, hang on a minute, if I can build relationships with people who are wanting big deals um, and I can go and find those and I can apply myself because look, I, um, I think everyone's based in the South. Is yeah. everyone based in the South down here? Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you a live example. Does everyone, everyone knows Hove, don't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's just moved away from Hove. They used to I live there. Did. Yeah. Okay. So in Hove, do we all know the restaurant Shandy's round about that area? No, near George street. Yeah. Round about mm -hmm. that area. Yeah, yeah. Know it, yeah. So, a family office had a requirement to buy a big freehold, but they didn't want any freehold. They wanted a nice Victorian freehold, something with a real, they wanted statements. So some of these family offices buy like iconic buildings or they want something that looks a statement as, as not shallow, but as 
ego. It's like a prestige thing. Like a Yeah, it is. It's almost like we want a good rental from it, but we're willing to take a really low yield for a really grand building. Hmm. So I had a requirement and I check in probably every every two months to make sure the criteria stays the same. Now, if I can charge 2% for going and finding a freehold, I, I honestly, you might even find me walking about Brighton or Hove looking for big freeholds. They're not even got a for sale sign. But what I do is there's a certain mansion. It's called, I won't say the first name of it, but then it says mansion in Hove. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, all I'm going to do Right, I take down a list of all these buildings, go back, pay what, three quid, it's peanuts, land registry, find out the details. And I email the owners saying who I am, who I work for, what I'm looking to do, why I've got in contact. I can tell you now, most of these guys who owns the big freeholds, it's not their only freehold, they probably own quite a large portfolio. Mm. If I put an offer saying that a central London family office is willing to make an offer, and one thing, this is the difference, I, I can produce proof of funds. So they're not my proof of funds, but I can produce a statement showing actual proof of funds. So that's where the power kicks in. And if I say, look, would you be open to a sale um, or even a discussion? I can tell you now, I'd say seven and a half, seven and a half percent out of 10, these guys would say, we'll consider an offer. Because they're always open to considering, because they're businessmen, they're not thinking, oh, that's my only freehold, I love it so much. Mm, We're not attached to it. You know, they're they're just like, "Mm, do you know what, if you're going to make a good offer, we'll probably listen. And all I've got to do at that point is step back, push these two people together and hope it goes well. And then you can charge a thing, you know, and you can charge Mm -hmm. your 2%. So if you sell Mm -hmm. the building for 4 million, so that's when I I realised that, why why i'm not a sourcer by the way um Mm. that's that's just one avenue that i could look for or if i was approached by a family office and they said we want you to go and find i'm going to spend that whole week month if i need to to go and find that building to to charge them you know Mm. amazing so there we go well that was uh, an amazing answer to that question which i (laughs) forgot what it was but um yeah No, but I think Thank that's you. really cool. It's really, just really nice. Well, I think to, it's time to, to wrap up. <laughs> no, it's not. We've still, we've still got loads of time. <laughs> we've got loads more to get through. Loads <laughs> more. Well, we haven't even asked the big question yet. No, we haven't. Oh, should I do it? Right, okay. Oh, well, I, ladies first. <laughs> well, I feel, like, I feel like you've touched it anyway. I'm quite interested to know what your answer to this is going to be. So what does the human side of property mean to Aaron Knightley? Um, well, I would, I would answer this based on when I was more involved in just the individuals like a property, you know, HMOs and stuff like that. But one thing that I would say is um, everyone regarding tenants, ownership, you know, a management of it has to be satisfied and happy because one thing that I found out very quickly is that one party, whether that's the owner of the property, whether that's the tenant or whether that's even the maintenance guys going around, when when things starts to rot you know and and it's not all level when everyone's content knowing what their roles are and i know that sounds stupid for a tenant to know their role but and the known you know a landlord to know their role but they are roles really is that that's one when i when i learned it goes very wrong very quickly um so what i would say is although property is not really a huge day-to-day focus of mine now it will be the end goal and an exit uh for sure as you know uh, for many it will be is that what I will be doing is I always thought I'll end up doing HMOs to finish off with, you know, try and get as many HMOs. What I would do now is because I know 
Yes, well, there's, man- there's, there's managements now who take on HMOs, which is great. But what I would do is to keep everyone happy and to satisfy our needs, it will all be like single lets, you know, because then I, what I can do then is, as the owner is you can ensure everyone is happy, which is going to make my life easier. And, and basically why I'm touching on this is because um, happy wife, happy life. And if, if I can keep things, everything <laughs> happy for the wife and there's no stress and there's no stress for me, I have an easy life and she has an easy life and then no one gets any, no one gets any jip and I'm just after no jip. So <laughs> I would just, <laughs> it's a bit of a different answer, but you know, that's going to be a hashtag more, by the way. Yeah. No jip. Yeah. yeah. Happy life, happy wife, no jip. Um, <laughs> It is. That, that's what it's about. So it's just about no stress, um, and for everyone, every party involved to be to be content and happy with with what they've got as the deal. So that's kind of it for me. You know, so other than that, you know, property is is very black and white, isn't it? You know, you you buy it, you you know, you want to return off of it and everything in between. You do it up and so forth. But ultimately, everyone who's going to be involved in that for the long term, the landlords, the maintenance guys, and the tenants, as long as everyone's squared away and everyone's happy, should be a pretty good deal, right? Um, so that's yeah. kind of my my views on it, really. Do you know mm-hmm. what I think you are? I think you're like a little, you're a conduit of communication, aren't you? You're, I, I can sort of see that your skill set plays very much into kind of like joining dots, and that's kind of what you've spent your time doing, and and now sort of making a lot of profit from that, which is great. And that links into your family. That links into you know the the stuff you're doing with the high net worth individuals. It's brilliant. It's good, and it suits you. You can see you're good at it. So yeah, it's, it's funny because someone else said that not too long ago, and I think do you know where where that comes from is is realizing very quickly that um, when you don't get too emotional involved in something or you don't get too stressed out about something if you can be very relaxed and very kind of see the bigger picture and I think what a lot of people tend you know not I think I learned this really early on but not a lot of people take a step back you know like when things are going ahead you know I I think is it Robert or John Kipling that book you know when others are losing their head kind of thing oh yeah Mm -hmm. I like that because it is true because whether it's just normal life, family life, you know, when you've got a million things going on, you're thinking, oh my God, what have, what have I done? You know, like 2020, the year that keeps giving out crap, right? When, when you actually, if, you, if you keep getting in the tumble, you're going to end up doing like this whole roly-poly thing. Whereas, but I think we, I've learned that I need to, when, when, when it's getting all on top, that you have to go and then go, right, okay, reassess, right, okay, this, right, I need to do, and then, and then I do one thing at a time because, you know, when, we've all got like active brains there's social media there's business there's work there's impressions there's pressure there's there's family then there's kids you know matt you've got you're gonna have a young one it's so when you add all of that i think i did learn very quickly that i'm only going to make yourself worse if i keep going so that's when the whole joining the dots i found it quite easy because someone has a requirement i'm willing to do that little bit of legwork in the middle and, and be that kind of the spokesman um whatever the broker the facilitator yeah 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 yeah. and do you know do you know what i i I keep mentioning this but and whether anyone listens i don't know and you know what (laughs) if they don't don't listen then they don't listen but how many people do you find that they go out and find deals and they want to get into property and the first thing they do is is sourcing is a big subject right where they go i'm going to go and find loads of deals i'm going to sell loads and then what i'm doing i'm going to reinvest my capital and i'm going to go in my own portfolio and then i'm going to joint venture and stuff like this and i don't think they really know why um but the whole thing with sourcing or any kind of deal why are people so keen and so rushed and this is my biggest point right why so why why so many people involved in spending all their time 
uh, uh, which is valuable, going out and finding deals, bringing them back, sitting down, doing, you know what it's like, doing like an hour of paperwork, then putting it on a spreadsheet, and then they've got no one to sell it to. Mm-hmm. It's like baffles me. Yeah, totally. And they've got no one to sell it to. Yeah. So what, I just done the reverse. I just thought, do you know what? I'm just going to go find a ton of wealthy people. I'm going to build really good relationships. I send them bottles of wine at Christmas. Um, I say happy birthday. I make little notes. I grade them from level uh, level one to two to three grade. Um, so I know what their criteria is. I put it all in a really simple spreadsheet and I just keep up to date with them. Happy birthday. You know, if I know that it's, if I know that it's especially a couple of really close ones, I know that their anniversary or I know that, you know, and it's, so I built up this really good pool so guess what? I've got a, a really large pool that aren't going anywhere now. I've got all their emails, phone calls. I've got their home addresses, passport details, you name it. Um, <laughs> Inside leg and, measurements. <laughs> and um, all I need to do is keep them really sweet because when my deal comes up, guess what? I've got 15, uh, I've got 15 people to sell that property to. Mm. There's a land site there that I know that two family offices and one really rich guy will buy it. You know, uh, So I don't get the whole – I would love for people to think, right, let's build up a really good pool before I go and find a million deals. Mm. It's because demand and supply, isn't it? You're kind of like going to the demand first and then you're supplying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't get it because um, then they'll go, you know, how long does a viewing take? How long does the paperwork take? You know, going through a conversation with an agent that you have actually not got any proof of funds for. Mm. You know, I'd never go and view... Do you know, I turned up, I won't tell you where it is, but there, there was a place in Brighton and you'll know the the estate agency but this estate agency like all estate agencies has a black book i have their black book for one particular client um and i turned up i got a phone call saying and it's weird because this is where i was a little bit deceived and i was annoyed at the time i had a phone call from a guy who works with off-market stuff in the southeast yeah and what he done is he rang me up and he said look aaron i need you to get to these two freeholds um, I need a buyer for him. The guy lives in Portugal. He's selling off both the freeholds. We can get a really good discount for it. Just build me in in the fee. I said, all right, okay, well, where is it? So he told me where it is. And I knew the street in Brighton. I thought, mm, yeah, it's okay. There, there are better freeholds, but let's go have a look. So I turned up and I rang him and I said, well, where are you? And he said, um, you know, oh, I was going to be someone else that's showing you. Anyway, lo and behold, um, a signed car turned up for an estate agency. I was like, mm, not happy with this so far. <laughs> um, the guy got out and I said, where's such and such? And he said, oh, no, no, no. He's just, I- I'm going to be showing you around because it's with us. And I turned around to him and I said, this isn't on your website, is it? And he said, oh, yeah, it's gone up live this morning. Mm. I said, right, it needs to come down literally within the hour. Because if 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 my office sees that this is online, I'm going to look really stupid right now because I've already sung the praises of these two buildings. And he was like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we've put it up this morning. I said, yeah, but it needs to come down because I've been told this is squeaky clean and it's, it's not even been listed or anything yet. And he was like, oh, okay. Anyway, so I had proof of funds with me. So I showed him anyway. He literally had it taken down within the hour. And then we were able to go around this site. So it really has to be off market because at the end of the day, if it's on the market, no one else wants it. So and one thing that I've learned is if it's on the market, no one with money in London wants it. Mm. unless they're going to sell it for like 50% discount no one wants it so yeah I just learned little things like that and that's when I just sort of thought well you know I'm just going to find the guys first build the relationships and then it will give me options to do not only my own things um, it's exposed me to a lot of stuff that I never thought you could invest into but also when requirements pop up I can have conversations on, on behalf of other people so it's yeah it serves me all right yeah, that's quite cool, isn't it? It's just, just like looking at it from a completely different angle, right? 
to what what everyone else is doing. You're just yeah. going going against the grain, um, which actually is much better. It works for you a lot better. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I wanted to put out the ebook because I was hoping it was going to wake a few people up, thinking, "Oh my God, I've never, you know, I never would have thought going there." Or, you know, yeah. that's online. I mean, I can't remember what point it was, Niall, but obviously I cover off a section where I explain that there's a certain place that you can look, which I call the Black Book of Investors, where mm-hmm. you can look online, and um, it really is. Why? Why would you not? It's explaining everyone's financials. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know it's, it's right there why would you not and then you just got to build the relationship so yeah just, i think know. yeah i think even like uh, we have raised quite a lot of finance over the years and been to like got in contact with lots of different people from various locations um and in different ways but there there is still a lot of that i was able to take from 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 that as well um awesome. just little nuggets and tips and things they think oh well i hadn't actually thought of that but when you say it out loud it makes complete sense but it's like yeah. sometimes the obvious isn't that obvious and when it's staring you in the face yeah and, and that's right and you know there was a point in there where i mentioned a, a cafe and if i actually mentioned the cafe to you obviously you guys being based in the south you would actually i, I would imagine you'd probably know this cafe but i had a lot of luck in this cafe but that's when i re- and it was only again by luck because i was sitting in this cafe I wanted to change it up and I was having this. And then all of a sudden you, re- you know, you're looking out the window and you're thinking, okay, that's another 19 plate Mercedes SL 500. Well, that, that's a 70 grand car. Okay. Now there's a Bentley that's turned up and now someone's just, now someone's just turned up in a McLaren. I think I might be in quite a good cafe. <laughs> and then when they start coming in and having conversations and they're all talking very, they're all talking very well and, you know, very clear English and stuff like this. And, you know, they're leaving like fivers for like tips for like a last day and your jaws dropping because you're thinking, I'll have a fiver. You know, you're thinking, what? Who, you know, who drops off? So uh, it didn't take long to think, okay, I'll probably, if I spend a few mornings in this cafe, I'm probably going to hear some pretty good stuff. And as long as I become good mates with the manager or the um, uh, the owner, I think um, I'll be able to be put in touch as long as I can sow my seeds at the right time and timing's everything. So, oh my God. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good, good point because you mentioned there that it was luck. I, I personally don't think it's got anything to do with luck yeah. um, because you, you put yourself in the position. Yeah. You set yourself up. You've done the research. Um, and I don't know how many cafes you had to visit before you found this cafe. So whether you call whether you call that luck or not, I just call that getting out and doing stuff, <laughs> you know, getting busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is. But, you know, at the same time, I could have gone to that cafe four or five times and, and, you know, no one would have showed up. And it's the same for a restaurant. You'll know this restaurant as well. If I was to mention, I mentioned a story about a restaurant. Mm-hmm you'll know this restaurant. Uh, obviously many who read the book won't because they're not in the South, but you wouldn't, all three of you would know this restaurant if I mentioned it to you. And again, it didn't take me long to think each, each time we come here in the evening, that same car is parked outside. And then you've only got to start asking, you know, how many people would ask? That's, that's the difference. If you've got 10 people who all have the same goal, but only one asks, well, the one's probably going to get the answer. The nine who were a bit shy and didn't want to ask. And not only that, if you've got a restaurant that's doing really well, do you think the owner might be investing his money pretty wisely or do you think he's reinvesting it into his lobsters and, you know, redecorating and probably not. He's probably moving quite a lot of money. And, and if the restaurant's packed out like every night, even on a Monday night, then he's obviously doing something right. So I think when you start asking questions where many wouldn't, which is what I started doing because I thought I just can't keep traveling to London all the time. Um, and, and obviously the big statement that I put in the opening of the book is, I mean, it's totally true. And I kept saying it to myself, especially when I'd be having a bit of a low. 
and I'd need to raise something or, you know, I really wanted to get the deal done because, you know, um, it was going to work well for me is I just say to myself, right, Aaron, five miles from here right now, is there a millionaire where you live? And my answer is yes. Okay. So we whinging about, you need to just go out and find him. But it's not, a, it's not or a, her. Or her. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Sorry. I was testing you there and you've Thank passed. Thank you. Just picked up. Yep. <laughs> well done. Thank you. <laughs> um, but exactly. But do you see what I mean? So that's exactly what I would do. So it's just, yeah, it was just little things like do that. Do you know what? Though? The difference is, I think, is like you've probably become an expert in behavior. And what you're doing is you've identified like key signifiers, you know, noticing high value cars outside of establishments and watching the owner of a cafe's behavior and, you know, assessing the clientele in a space. And, you know, the average person probably wouldn't do that. And so what you're doing is you're just building behaviors that you are just, yeah. it's like data, your, your intelligence collecting and you're like, right, I'm in the right place. All of those dots have come together and now I'm going to go for it. And I think that's, do, yeah, do you know, and it is, it is, that's totally true. And you know what, I've learned that. And that's kind of, again, so this, this now flip, flitters back to education. So I've listened to a lot of sales books. And, you know, when you listen to a lot of sales books, I've probably done about 20 sales books, but all of them are really good sales books. But when you start listening to sales, everything sales. So, you know, and all these techniques, I use a lot of reverse psychology. And I'll give you an example. And this isn't in a bad way. A lot of people go, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. Or I don't think a lot of people <laughs> would say that, but a lot of people would be like, well, I don't know, you know, but you weren't really pitching it to them or, you know, they, how were they meant to know that that's what you were doing? But I'm only, I'm only putting forward a legitimate deal. It's not, you know, it's, it, but you're just using reverse psychology. So I'll give you an example. And I, I use one that I've got in my head because it, it happened on a new face-to-face meeting with an investor. I'd only met a couple of times and actually he's a business owner in Hove um, as well as introduced to a friend of mine. And so we, we sat down, we met at his office and, and we were talking and he was telling me a little bit about what he does and he does like the idea of property. And I already had something in, in my mind. I had a deal at the time that I wanted to put forward for someone else. And um, so what I said is, look, let's have a chat. And so we started talking about all sorts. And what do we do? First of all, we started talking about family. He likes football. I like football. We started talking about all bits and bobs. So for the first 45 minutes, we never talked business. So I've already built this really good rapport, picking up on signs and what he likes. And, and, and you know how to word things. And basically, how are you finishing? And you can use this um, with, with many investors, is that if you, don't, if you feel that you can't yet approach directly, well, look, what you could do, and this is, I've done this, you know, via email or phone calls, and this was face-to-face as an example, but I had this deal, I had it all in paperwork, and I said, look, it'd be great to work with you at some point, um, you know, look, let's, let's definitely touch base. However, look, what I'd be really interested in and what I've been told by my, my friend here, I won't mention his name, is that obviously you've got some partners as well that are looking to invest, which is great. What I'd like to do is, look, I brought with me, got it out my, my briefcase, put it on the table, I said, look, these are the numbers, it's going to be great, you know, completely back it as well, you know, one thing that even me, if I'm ever going to lend out my own money is that I never want to see someone not back in their own project or mm. looking a bit nervous about their own project or being mm. like, you know, might be able to return it in six months. But if it does go over, I just want to hear first off, like this is squeaky, it's black and white. So I said, look, these are the numbers. What would be really interesting is if we could put this towards your partners who are looking for it, it's going to be a great deal. This is going to be the returns. And we just went through it all really clearly, explained it in a minimal amount of time. So a 10 year old could explain it like they say. And I said, look, I'd be really, really appreciate it, basically, if you could pass this on to your partners as we'd be looking to investment and we can get these projects rolling all the time as, as and when they come up. And what I'd done really is I hadn't pitched, I was pitching it to him. He just didn't know it. 
and I pitched this whole project to him and I made it look fantastic and it was a great project. But I knew that I was able to pitch this project, although I'd only met him the first time, but we kind of had a relationship through a friend of mine, is that I'm now pitching a full-blown project on first meet, but I'm not. Mm. I'm pitching it to the people behind him. But now mm. what he's doing is he's thinking, well, hang on a minute, just hold up. I really like you. We've just been talking about family. We're even now talking about having drinks, blah, blah, blah. You're talking about you want to give it to my, my partners. Actually, I'm going to be a little bit selfish here. I quite like this deal myself. Mm. Do you see what I mean? So I haven't mm. pitched it to him but I've been able to fully go at this um, and lay this all on the table without him really knowing that actually he was my intended investor and lo and behold mm. it worked mm. so <laughs> love it very good <laughs> that's amazing uh, it's like a little, I, little ways that's good well thank you so much for that Aaron. and uh, we are going to have to start to wrap it up yeah. so let's do a quick fire um, episode roulette oh yeah uh, Niall got my phone um, ready uh, so well um, actually no, he hasn't asked us like the question i know we're probably oh, running out of time yeah i know well let's do, do that instead yeah yeah okay yeah that's better yeah i had a question at the very beginning for you oh my oh, what was it um okay that was, the, that was the question so this is the question i like i like to know with everyone because it's what i think of in 20 years time what is your 20-year vision with property or business right now so what is what is the long-term vision in 20 years time not 5 10 20 years time plus what what's the vision why are you doing it mm. ah. wow have you frozen Matt, or are you just staring at the camera <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm frozen uh, tw- 20 years is um so that would make me okay this age 70 70 no <laughs> it'd make him 49 it'd make him 49 in 20 years time um i'm just, yeah, that is a very good very good day. yeah someone else take over <laughs> i think mine um at the moment all mine is is sort of financially lucrative that's all it is and i think what i've realized is and i guess covid caused me to to take stock and think about what I've got and what I want to evolve to. I want more of a legacy portfolio. I want something that is literally like, I've almost like created an industry, you know, like, so this, this whole area around assisted living and supported living, I've been having a lot of conversations with people about this. And so I, it's so personal to me because I have a disabled brother and his future care and the transition of him from the family home into a care facility has become, well, it's the reason I got into property in the first place, but it's been completely absent from what I do. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, it's what you're passionate about. It's why you're doing it. So what I want is to create something, something big that services that world that just Mm. goes on and lives a legacy long beyond me that just kind of, you know, fulfills what it was I wanted to do for me, for my family, but also for vulnerable individuals going forward. And I still don't know what that looks like because I've only just literally started thinking about it. But for me, when I look at like my student portfolio and I think about that, it's like, it's great. And it's done its own thing. And I don't want to stop doing that, but I feel like that sits somewhere separate. The bigger, the, what I want to leave behind in this world is something that really supports society and vulnerable people in society. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's my 20 year thing. Mm. That's good. And it's big, it's a big reason why as well, isn't it? Massively, massively. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I think mine's not that dissimilar to, to yours, Joe, um, in the sense that it's, 
the, the bigger picture, the, the longer term goal is something that I've always struggled with internally um, of thinking like, how much money do I want to be earning or where do I want to be living and how big do, does the portfolio become? Um, and that's something I always struggle with is to get a definitive, clear uh, answer as to what exactly that looks like. Um, so I think I work on shorter term vision. So I've got like a five to 10 year vision that's constantly tweaking because you're never, you never get to the five or 10 years. You're always perfecting it and, and tweaking it as you go along. But I think uh, we've, we've started to look into quite a lot recently over the past year or so of uh, providing accommodation, uh, like a some care providing or care facilities. Um, so whether that be um, adapting properties to suit individuals. Um, I spoke to a guy last week who's based in... Um, Derby and they're looking for like four and five bedroom houses where they can start integrating people to get used to living together and and back into society again um, for quite young um, people. Um, so being able to provide the, that type of accommodation without worrying, you know, how do I raise the finance for it and where do I secure the deposit or who pays for the refurbishment? Just being able to go and pick up the properties on demand so that the facilities are available for them. Um, that that's quite a that would be a place that I want to get to. It doesn't have to be in twenty years, but within the next twenty years. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Love it. No, really good. Yeah. So, I suppose the the answer for me is that I, there are two things which drive me and have driven me for years, and one which is um, about building relationships, building community, um, very similar to what you do. Aaron is joining dots and uphill. That's where I've always been. Um, I've always had successes where I brought people together to create something else um, and also works quite well because I'm not necessarily a finisher. I'm someone who has lots of ideas and starts stuff, but I need to work with other people to then help to finish. So, so what you do is actually, it, it takes lots of boxes in, in my head going, well, actually, all, I don't need to finish these things off. All I need to do is just find the thing for the person and, send, and you pass it on to the thing and, and your work actually is in that, you're in the middle. So you're um so just finding things on demand so um you know joining the dots building community and also building great business those are two things that are very um strong for me so um things things that we're working on um myself and Niall as a, as a business all about creating community within properties um you know longer term as well as shorter term um and then for myself as as, as a family and as a musician creating some amazing music over the next 20 years um and uh, nurturing other i suppose musical talent as well that's one thing i would like to do um is when we get to a certain point is to um yeah start to help to nurture others um, um we, we already do that in property through um, nurturing others in their especially in their shared living hmo journeys but then to kind of go back to you know nurturing musicians um to you know i used to be a piano teacher and had a music school not necessarily that same level of um intervention but to create a facilitation whether that's you know property and um the means for others to you know to, to create music awesome and they're all like non-selfish reasons as well so they're good that, people aaron we're really good that's people <laughs> but that, that's what that's what makes a lot of it different though that's what i always find that when they're selfish reasons i, I sometimes never see those things really come into life because they're done for the wrong reasons so yeah, yeah good yeah awesome brilliant Brilliant. So I'm going to have to uh, wrap it up there. Uh, it's been a fantastic to have you on, um, Aaron, and uh, I really look forward to um, uh, 
uh, kind of reading your book as well. So where you, know, you mentioned it a few times, where can people find it? Yes, yeah, so it's just on Amazon. Um, so you can either put his full name in, how and where to find high net worth investors, or you can put in how to find investors I'm on the first page. Um, and yeah, give it a read. It's on discount until, uh, I think I'm doing it till Wednesday. So yeah. Okay, bear, bearing in mind that those who are listening to this will be listening to it in a few weeks' time. So uh, maybe uh, we could do Oh, they've missed. <laughs> oh, I missed it. Snooze, you lose. <laughs> or maybe we could do a Property Jam special for them. Oh, we, might be, so we, we could probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just, just to wrap it up, so that's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. He nailed it. <laughs>